ahead and turn to uh, Jude. You're already there. Look at verse 11. Look at verse 11. <clears throat> Last week when we, were, when we were talking about, or a couple weeks ago, when we were talking about resisting or uh, refusing rebellion, uh, I showed you in here where, where Jude looks at the rebellious nature of, of Israel, uh, of the angels, of Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, we talked about um, the Cain and the error of Balaam, the, uh, the rebellion of Korah. We talked about these scenarios that Jude gives here. And right smack in the middle of them, right after he talks about uh, the, uh, Israel's rebellion, right after he talks about the rebellion of the angels and of Sodom and Gomorrah, and then right before he talks about the way of Cain, the error of Balaam, and the rebellion of Korah, he says, woe to them. He says, woe to them. And it's not one of those, whoa. What they've done is really cool. Whoa. It's not that kind of whoa. It's not a wow whoa. It's a whoa whoa. You know what I mean? And I was looking at that, and it stood out to me huge. And you see that in all, all through the Old Testament, woe to them, woe to them. But it stood out to me, and I thought, I want to dig into that. And basically what it means, that word woe means misery, it means distress, it means trouble, it means problems, it means affliction. Essentially it means curses. So you could read that like this, misery be unto them, problems be unto them, distress, affliction be unto them, trouble, curses be unto them. This, what this is saying, this three little words, woe to them, speaks of judgment. It speaks of consequences. In fact, if you go on and look at, at verse 14, it says, It was also about these men that Enoch in the seventh generation from Adam prophesied. So there was a guy a long time ago named Enoch that was able to look ahead and see. He prophesied, and here's what he said. Behold, the Lord came with many thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment upon all and to convict all the ungodly, of all their ungodly deeds, which they have done in an ungodly way, and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Again, this is obviously talking about the woes that will kind of come upon these whacked out people that are leading the saints astray, these wolves in sheep's clothing. But listen to me carefully. There is a warning in here for every person, for every Believer, You read these words. Yes, they're talking about these guys that are, that are luring people away from the truth. But there is something for us. What I want you to do is turn to uh, Colossians 3 really quick. It's going to be up on the screen. But I want you to go ahead and turn there because I want you to mark it in your Bible so you can come back to it later. Notice that back in Jude, verse 15, it says, To execute judgment upon all. Everyone, God is looking at everyone and will judge everyone. Thankfully, those of us who have been brought near by the blood of the Lamb are justified before Him. Amen? We are justified when it says to convict all the ungodly of their ungodly deeds which have been done in an ungodly way. It's talking about these guys who have never followed God. They are ungodly. And so we know that. But listen, there is something for us as believers who have been justified. There is something for us to consider here. If you look at Colossians 3, it says, For he who does wrong, which basically just means offends righteousness, he who offends righteousness will receive the consequences of the wrong which he has done, and that without partiality. Now, I really want us to understand this. I'm going to read three different versions of this, of this, um, of this verse, and you may even have this version. The New Living Translation says this. 
of Colossians 3.25. But if you do what is wrong, you will be paid back for the wrong you have done. For God has no favorites who can get away with evil. If you read it in the, um, uh, the message version, it says, The sullen servant who does shoddy work, sullen just means dark, the dark servant who does shoddy work will be held responsible. So he's describing a servant of the Lord, a believer, who is not walking in light. You hear what I'm saying? So the, the sullen servant, the dark servant who does shoddy work will be held responsible. Being Christian doesn't cover up bad work. That's the message version. And then I'll do the amplified. It says, For he who deals wrongly will reap the fruit of his folly and be punished for his wrongdoing. And with God, there is no partiality. No matter what a person's position may be, whether he is a slave or the master. And so you look at this and you see that there is something that as believers we've got to consider. There are consequences to our actions. There are consequences to the choices that we make. Just because we have been brought near by the, the blood of the Lamb, we have been justified, we have been, we have been um, brought into the family of God, does not mean that we won't make bad choices from now on or that we won't reap the consequences of some of those choices. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Being part, a part of being found faithful is considering every moment, every decision, every thought, every action, considering what the consequence may be. I can remember when I was a kid, I mean, I, I never did that. I never considered the consequence. I remember when my, my sister and I were playing in the yard I was about three, and I, I remember this because it was memorable. Memor- it was, I remember it, you know what I mean? <laughs> my sister was messing with me. She was older than I was, and uh, um, she, I don't remember what she was doing, but I remember I got so angry. I was very hot-headed as a kid. I, I didn't know Jesus. Anyway, I remember there was all kinds of junk in our yard that we had one of those types of facilities, you know? And I remember there was this thing that I picked up, and hurled at my sister. And what it was, was a windshield wiper blade. And I tossed it, and guess what? I didn't miss. It hit her right across the head and gashed her head open. I didn't know it was going to do that. I was just mad. She was the one that made me mad, and so what do you do? You respond. You know? And so she runs around like a chicken with her head cut off, runs into the house. My mom comes out there, what have you done? And she literally tells me, the police are going to come and get you. And I freaked out. I went and hid in a bush while they took her to the hospital. She had stitches across her head. You know what I mean? We, I didn't, I didn't, man, see, you see why it stuck in my mind. I was going to get put in prison for killing my sister. My point is, is that there are, there are consequences, you know? I didn't go to jail, but I did get a spanking, you know, later when they came home. So there's consequences. I want you to look real quick. You don't have to turn there, I guess. Um, it's on the screen. But Romans 2.9, it says this. There will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil. There will be trouble. There will be woe for every human being. That word trouble means oppressing. There will be a pressing For every human being. And distress, that word distress means extreme affliction. There's going to be extreme extreme affliction for those who do evil. Now listen, you know, I don't expect any of us in this room to necessarily do evil, especially with evil intent. 
But these verses are all adding up to there will be consequences to pay for our actions on whatever level. And we'll talk about that in a second. Um, I want to look at this word evil there because you can't really talk about consequences without talking about where consequences come from. And that word evil uh, in the Greek means bad. It means wrong. It means loathsome. You know, it means uh, wicked. It means destructive. And see, here's, and you know this to be true because you either have lived this life or living this life or you know someone who's lived this life. A life of destruction. A destructive life. Yes, you walked the aisle. Yes, you said the prayer. Yes, you raise your hands during worship, but your lifestyle is destructive. If you're living a lifestyle that is destructive, you will reap destructive fruit. Consider the consequence. The cool thing is, and I'll just say this, is we don't have to do that. Why? Because we have been filled with the Holy Spirit of God who wants to bear a different kind of fruit. Amen? So Romans 2, there will be trouble, there will be distress for every human who does evil, who lives a life of destruction. Um, there, I was looking at Proverbs 11. There's all kinds of scripture. I mean, all kinds. I, I had literally had to pick and choose the ones I would share this morning. Proverbs 11:19 says, he who is steadfast, Sean mentioned steadfast this, this morning as he was exhorting us as a church. He who is steadfast in righteousness will attain to life. And he who pursues evil will bring about his own death. There's that word evil again, but this is in Hebrew. This is the Old Testament. This is in Hebrew. It's the word ra. <laughs> By the way, I think it was the Egyptians whose god was ra. Isn't that right? I learned that from, um, from the, that's right, the M- Moses cartoon. Anyway. <laughs> By the power of ra. And then they did this weird stuff. Moses is like, what? And his snake ate their snake. You remember? Anyway. So that word here, raw, evil, it means the same thing, essentially, bad, wrong. One of the words that's tied to this definition of evil is malignant. Makes you think of cancer, the type of cancer that attacks your cells, that makes you weak, that rips life out of you. It's one of the words used there, uh, wicked, disagreeable. Probably the one that I would circle in this is displeasing. Displeasing actions. And we, of course, we know that the actions... Uh, that, we, that would displease or would be displeasing to God. So think of it that way. It's, it's essentially, it's sin. I'm talking about sin. I'm talking about consequences for behaviors that Scripture identifies as sin. There are consequences to that. I thought this morning I would open up by saying this. I decided not to, but I, I may go ahead and say it. This morning you're probably not going to like me very much. Okay, but God likes me. So, <laughs> so listen, let's just boil this down. Part of being found faithful comes from considering the consequences of our actions. You can write that in there somewhere. And uh, the definition of consequence is real simple. The relation between an effect and its cause. The effect and what caused that effect. Aftermath is, a, is a, a word that I put up there too. It's the aftermath of our decisions. And obviously I'm talking mainly about um, decisions that are destructive as it relates to how a believer ought to live. And again, this whole series is stemming from, this came from, the heart of this came from people around 
my wife and I, and, and, and some of you even, people we know that live in other states and other cities, they're living lifestyles that are destructive. They began the lifestyle. They continued the lifestyle. They didn't repent from the lifestyle. They didn't address the lifestyle. They didn't listen to others who were addressing the lifestyles. And now they're reaping the consequences of those lifestyles. We're seeing it all around us. I can start listing names. You guys could probably list names of people whose lives are a mess, but they're believers. This is the type of thing that Jude is warning against. He's specifically warning of people that will lead people into those lifestyles. And we're not, we're not disregarding that because that's definitely true. But I'm just hitting the issue in general. Amen? Whether someone or something's leading us or not, we know the enemy's trying to lead us astray. Steal, kill, destroy, right? So um, I'm going to make this really quick. Why is it that people do not consider the consequences of their actions? If we're to consider the consequences, why don't we do that? The first thing is, uh, you can write this down, is maybe uh, people aren't aware. That is a valid reason, an unawareness. They did not know. I I didn't realize as a believer, there was plenty of things whenever I first got saved, I didn't didn't even know that was part of the deal, you know? And I think the Lord has a special grace for that, you know what I mean? I don't think the Lord, ah, you, you know? In fact, something that we learned in Growing Kids God's Way, this, uh, not this past week, but a couple of weeks ago, was the, the difference between childishness and foolishness. It was a great lesson. You know, childishness is basically things that are done out of immature ignorance. I think the example that was given is uh, the kids were playing outside, playing hide-and-seek. One runs into the house and accidentally knocks over the, the lamp, and it broke. Okay? The consequence right there is that the lamp broke and the, the mom or the dad may say, well, buddy, you know, I wish you hadn't have done that. I'm not going to kill you, but you, you will need to pay for the lamp. Okay, I'd rather pay for the lamp than be dead. You know what I mean? But then 20 minutes later, they're still playing. The kid runs in again into the house. Well, the, the mom, the dad said, I don't want you running into the house. Y'all stay outside to play that. The 20 minutes later, the, come, run, the kid runs in again and this time, Knocks over the whole TV. You know, wow, how did he do that? Anyway, let's say he did. Really strong kid, eats his weeds. You know? Well, at that point, it wasn't childishness, was it? He deliberately disobeyed, and it became foolishness. And so there's some things that we I didn't know. Man, I didn't know. But there's plenty that we do know, and that is the point of why we need to get to know. Amen? Unawareness is, is a legitimate issue. But you even look at, at Jude, and what did Jude say right here? Look at the way he opened up this whole section right before he started talking about the rebellion of all these people. He opened up by saying this. Now, I desire to remind you, though you know all things once for all, he's basically talking about you got the gospel down. You've heard it. Everything I'm about to tell you, you've heard it. You know what happened to Israel. You know what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah. You know the way of Cain, the error of Balaam. You know the rebellion of Korah. You already know this stuff. I'm just reminding you. See, for most of us, we, there's plenty that we know that we just aren't acting upon. And at that point, it's not, I'm a baby Christian. I'm out acting in childishness. No, it's just straight up foolishness. Amen? I think another thing is, uh, is unbelief. 
Another reason we don't consider the consequences is just unbelief. You know, unbelief essentially is, is the root of sin, not believing God. But I was thinking about unbelief, and, and there's two specific areas that I would say uh, unbelief in. One is that we just don't trust his goodness. We don't believe his goodness. We don't trust his goodness. Psalms 145.9 says that the Lord is good to all. His mercies are over all his works. I love that. His mercies are over all his works. Everything that he's made, everything that he is, has his eyes upon. And believe me, if he has his eyes upon the sparrow, he has his eyes upon you. And the scripture says that his mercies are over you. I love the way that the message version says it. God is good to one and all. Everything he does is suffused with grace. Okay, so maybe some people don't believe that. Maybe because of their history, what they've been taught, what they've been modeled, how they've been hurt, whatever. They don't believe that. And because of that, because of that unbelief, that mistrusting of God, they don't consider the consequences. They don't really consider anything. They're just out there hurt and doing whatever. We know that happens, don't we? I think another aspect of unbelief is that we don't believe his justness. We don't believe that he is a just God. And this is the main point I wanted to get. We think, well, God's good. He wouldn't punish. He doesn't hurt people. He doesn't do anything. Listen, he is good to all that he has made, but he's also just. And where, where there is disobedience, there is consequence. Scripture, all throughout Scripture, you see him disciplining those he loves in order to bring them to a right, back to a right action, a right heart. It says in the New Testament that he does. God disciplines those he loves, his children. He disciplines those that he loves. But if we don't believe that he will do that, guess what? We will move forward with that decision that is lacking in righteousness. And when we do that, we are not someone that is found faithful in that moment. doesn't mean that we're going to hell. doesn't mean that that's our lifestyle. But any moment where we're not faithful, it's not like God goes, oh, that's okay. <laughs> God's like, hey, grace, my Holy Spirit, are you ignoring me? Doesn't mean he's going to go, but he's not happy about it. There's no sin that God's happy about. Amen? I'm I'm just telling you really more what the word says. You know what I mean? We don't believe his justice. In fact, Galatians 6, 6, verse 7 says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. And then he goes on to say, a man reaps what he sows. Then you look at Ecclesiastes 12, 14, and it says, God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. And I'm going to say this, just because we would not address a certain sin, just because we would not address a certain sin, doesn't mean that God won't. When Melissa and I discipline our kids or they disobey us or whatever, we let them know, you disobeyed me. It hurts my heart that you, that you wouldn't listen to me and obey me right there. And then when we're done with that, we say, guess what? That also hurts God's heart. We let them know it's not just about obeying me. I'm not the creator of all things and sustainer of all things. I'm not the one who authored your life. I mean, I kind of did, but in, in the bigger way, I didn't. This is about loving and obeying God. Because it's both, isn't it? Our understanding that God's going to determine our level of obedience, and we've got to understand that he's, he's just. 
The third thing, third, one of the, I mean, there's all kinds, I'm sure, but the third thing I'll talk about this morning, reason that I don't think we consider the consequences is unrestraint. And this is the hard one, a little bit more difficult to fathom because this speaks of someone that just doesn't care. They know, they believe, but they just don't care. I mean, that will make you say, wow, <laughs> whoa. You know what I mean? There are people, it's hard to fathom that, to believe that there are people like that, but there are people who fall into this category. They know all kinds of stuff. They even believe it, but right now, in life, I don't care. And they're not considering the consequences, and they're storing, storing for themselves, storing up for themselves uh, consequences that they're not going to want to deal with. Not necessarily saying it's eternal damnation, but listen, consequences come from our actions. In Psalms 119, he says, I have restrained my feet from every evil way that I might keep your word. Some people do not restrain themselves. We did a whole series on that verse in Proverbs 29, 18, where it says, where there is no vision, the people will perish. We talked about that word vision means prophetic voice. Where there's no prophetic voice, where there's no revelation, people will perish. The actual rendering of that word is people will cast off restraint. Some of your versions say people will become unrestrained. And see, God, God is speaking prophetically through his word, prophetically through others, because he, he has called some to be prophets. And everybody has the ability to speak God's truth to other people. God is trying to share with us, stop, consider the direction you're going. Consider what you're doing. And something that we said during that series is whether or not we perish, and we talked about any state of perishment, any state of not doing well, any state of lacking can't be good. Especially when God has never said that we're supposed to lack in anything. He says we're not supposed to lack in anything because he provides everything for us. So any state of perishment on any level, um, or whether or not we perish on any level, depends upon the choices that we make. Some people have never professed God as their Savior, their Lord, and given their lives to Him. They wa- there will be an inter- eternal state of perishment. For us who have and we make these goofy, goofy choices, we probably are living lives that are destructive on some level or another. Jeremiah, the prophet, said, it's the way, and this is the message version, but it says, it's the way you've lived that's brought all this on you. The bitter taste is from your evil life. That's what's piercing your heart. I mean, these aren't my words. This is the word of God. I won't have you turn there, but I want you to turn there later. Matthew 23, verse 37. This is when Jerusalem, uh, Jesus is... is um, Uh, Speaking over Jerusalem, he says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Listen to what he says. You who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you. Remember what we said? Where there is no vision or a lack of prophetic word, that doesn't necessarily mean that the prophetic word wasn't given. It could mean that the prophetic word wasn't heeded. You who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you. How often I have longed to gather your children together as hens gather her chicks under her wings. Then it says, but you were not willing. Believe it or not, there are people 
And many of us have been in that state at some point or another who they just don't care. I know, I believe, don't care. Proverbs 16, uh, 11, verse 6 says that the righteousness of the upright delivers them, but the unfaithful are trapped by their evil desires. In other words, they want what they want more than what, they, uh, what God wants. And in the midst of that, they are called unfaithful. And a couple weeks ago, uh, we looked at the story of Joseph, and I'll close with this. You know, Joseph um, had that moment with Potiphar's wife where she came on to him, and she adva- made an advance to him sexually. And we talked about how he refused. Potiphar's wife was walking in rebellion against her husband, against her, the citadel, I don't know, whatever. You know, and she advances on to the slave, Joseph. And Joseph's like, are you kidding? Not only would I be um, unfaithful to the master of this house, Potiphar, who has entrusted me with everything, we talked about that, but I would also defy my God. I'm not going to do that. And she grabs a hold of his, and it says that she did that day after day. It wasn't just one time. He said, no, every day, nah. One day she grabs hold of his jacket. He's like, I'm telling you, it ain't going to happen. And he runs and his clothes rip off of him. So she's standing there with his clothes, you know, and then she screams, ah, and then turns him in for making an advance on her. And he was thrown into prison. And guess what? He was. He was falsely accused. He was thrown into prison. That stings. What a consequence. But if he had given in, the consequence would have been far greater. Because it was Joseph's life, Joseph's wisdom, uh, Joseph's faithfulness to God that literally saved the nation of Israel. You guys hear what I'm saying? If you don't know the story, go back and read it. In that moment, he considered the consequence of disobeying his master, disobeying his God. And he didn't know that this was coming. He didn't know that he was going to be saving Israel by saying no to Potiphar. But that's the truth of it. Sometimes we don't know what we're saving when we make the right decision. You might be saving your marriage. You might be saving your kids. You might be saving yourself from bankruptcy. I mean, the scenarios, you guys, are endless. Amen? One of the ways that we can be found faithful by a God who is watching, who is concerned, who does love us, and grace abounds, but is also just, is by considering the consequences. Amen? Let's stand. This is one of those words, again, it's a little harder. Some of you may be taking it a little harder than others because maybe you are in a lifestyle of that, that's a little bit destructive. I, I encourage you, turn to the Lord, repent, change your ways. He openly receives you. Amen? His blood is sufficient for all sin, all unrighteousness. Uh, he, he will and can and has brought you near to the blood, uh, near to Him by the blood of the Lamb. He will restore you. You know, and you will have joy in your salvation again, like David prayed. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation. Amen. This week I encourage you to uh, just pray into this. Lord, what are you saying to me? And you can do this certainly while, I, while I, I'm closed this morning. But this week, Lord, I want to be found faithful. Some of you, and let me just say this. I really feel like the Lord's saying this right now. Some of you are on the edge. 
There is a decision coming that is going to make or break you. There's a decision that's going to make or break you. And I'm, I'm really talking about a decision that is more uh, the bad consequences. Some of you may be teetering with lustful thoughts, actions, things that have to do with other people that might lead down to a road of um, unfaithfulness to your spouse. Consider the consequence. If there's anyone in here that is on the fence, on the edge of the cliff, on the verge of making that decision, maybe not physically, but it's, it's right there in the mental area, I'm telling you, draw back and draw near to the Lord. He will rescue you. He will save you from destructive lifestyles, destructive situations. Amen? Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that you love us so much that you didn't hold me.